Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on today's podcast. Today's podcast is done by Group 5 and Lib 201. Today our topic is going to be racism. I'll explain to you all the factors that are involved and are affected by racism by explaining the domino effect we have created for you, which is affected by racism and each subtopic is connected to racism. So, let's dive right into it. What is racism? It's the belief that all members of each race possess characteristics or abilities specific to that race, especially so as to distinguish it as inferior or superior to another race or races. What we learned in class for Holtzman once said, While race itself is fiction, the consequences of racism are historical and contemporary reality. Holtzman taught us that racism is can be seen as interpersonal and episodic, which really obscures systems of racism. We also read books in class such as We Gonna Be Alright. Chang explained in his intro that the paradox of the post-racial movement explains that while our images of our nation move toward desegregation, our indices reveal growing resegregation and inequality. This creates inequality, which is a tangible thing that impacts people's real life. A good example of this is the critical race theory, which basically means that racism is a core component of the systems and structures of power in our nation. Another good example is internationalized racism, which is self-deprecating attitudes and behaviors that reflects the effects of racial targeting. While racism is most well-known for slavery, which became illegal in 1865, but the racial effects of slavery still dominate our social society today. Racism has influenced many things and created new terms that exist today because of it. It is an ongoing problem that form more problems, unfortunately. It is a domino effect where everything happens because of it, and each problem that has formed because of it relies off of each other. The domino effect that I'll be explaining for you today includes three major aspects that are within racism. They are social status, education, and redlining. Each of them rely off of each other. There is no specific order, but this podcast we're going to be starting off with today is starting off with social status. Social status can be measured by many different things, such as wealth and power. The two things we're going to be focusing on today that come out of social status are class and privilege. Social classes are hierarchy groupings of individuals that are usually based on things such as wealth, occupations, income, educational attainment, and many other things. The problem with social classes are the certain categories and stereotypes that people have made up that go along with each certain class. We as Americans recognize class as three separate categories, 
upper class, middle class, and the lower working class. People represent the lower and upper class as if they have no casual representation or relationship to each other at all, since usually they're presented as two completely different lifestyles, says Manasos on page 348. The way America has formed our class hierarchies has created privileges. Privileges are a benefit or multiple benefits that members of certain social groups receive. Privileges are usually unearned and are taken for granted because people are used to growing up in a certain class. They're used to what kind of privileges they grew up with, and usually people don't notice privileges unless they don't have that certain privilege. Privileges can be described as issues that you don't have to think about or worry about on a daily basis. Oppression is what it's called when someone is in denial of a privilege they have. Many people are a good example because a lot of people don't understand or notice privileges in society unless they don't have them. Social privilege is linked to social inequality. Its advantages are based on things like age, education level, disabilities, racial categories, gender, religion, and many more. It began as an academic concept that began widely invoked by many people. A good example of privileges people obtain are at workplaces. Workplaces consist of many white privileges because there are assumption patterns that are passed on to white people. A lot of media also creates these culture standards. The word class is often substituted for the word race because of the standards and privileges that exist today. Social status connected to racism, has now formed our second step on the domino effect, which connects to different levels of education. Education is just one other example of what comes out of racial privileges. Education is very much connected to race, along with poverty, because all of these things shape who graduates in America. A study tested from the Equality of Opportunity Project showed how black students are not only less likely to graduate high school, but they're also less likely to graduate college compared to white students with the exact same income. Many people are very aware that a few decades ago, around the 1960s, there were black and white segregated schools. A big historical event that started the change of segregated schools was the Brown versus Board of Education. This was a landmark decision made by the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that American state laws establishing racial segregation in public schools are unconstitutional, even if the segregated schools otherwise are equal in quality. In the 1970s, that is known for the final end of legal segregation. Many citizens of the United States today believe segregation truly did end there just because the laws that were changed and the outcome of what Brown versus Board of Education did do. But in reality, it truly hasn't ended at all. All schools today, whether they're private schools or public schools, are still very much segregated. In my freshman year of high school, I went to Adams High School, which is located in Rochester Hills, Michigan. It is known to be one of the top academic high schools in Michigan. 
I decided to transfer there for multiple reasons. But after, after I transferred to my second school, which I was there sophomore through senior year, I saw some major changes that I never knew about education before. Not only were the schools a mile away from each other, but they had different stereotypes. Adams High School that I went to my freshman year was not segregated at all. It was full of white people. And then just a mile away, the school I ended up transferring to, Rochester High School, was so diverse it couldn't even compare. Also, the high schools um, taught students completely differently. Adams High School, since it was known for being one of the best high schools in Michigan, taught very strict, and the teachers taught completely different. But again, Rochester, just a mile away, had very different teaching methods. Two-thirds of minority students still attend racially segregated schools today. Most are located in central cities with low funds. But really, segregated schools are still everywhere. Education goes along hand-in-hand to our next domino effect because of racism, which is redlining. In the United States and Canada, redlining is the systematic denial of various services to residents of specific or often racial-associated neighborhoods or communities, either directly through or the selective raising of prices. Detroit can be a good example for redlining. There's a rich side and a poor side. Literally a few blocks or maybe even one block away from each other, there's homeless people walking all over, burned down buildings. And then on the other side is Greek town, Christmas tree lit up, a bunch of restaurants. And then it's also known for the amount of homeless people. And Detroit is trying to overcome and change their reputation of redlining and just their general aspect, but it'll be pretty hard because redlining is very hard to overcome. Redlining is a major factor of why education is still segregated today, because where people live depend on where they go to school. So if because of your race you are forced because of redlining to live in a certain area, then you can only go to the schools around you. A good example is school of choice. School of choice basically means that whatever city you're, you live in, you're limited to what schools you can go to. For example, I lived in Rochester City Hills. So because of school of choice, I had the choice of going to Adams versus Rochester versus Stony Creek High School. I ended up going to two of them because I transferred schools, but most people obviously just pick and stay in one. Redlining not only affects people's education and where they live, but it also can affect people's financial services, such as mortgages, student loans, credit cards, and insurance. Courts have determined that redlining is illegal when institutions use race as a bias for excluding neighborhoods from access to loans. Although it was made illegal in the 1970s, the practice is obviously still continues today. So throughout all of these three big domino effects that racism has started, 
I hope you learned that racism is a giant issue related to social justice in the United States. Between social status, education, and redlining, those are just a few examples that heighten our understanding about racism and how it's a major problem that creates diversity still today. Now, organizations such as courtrooms, laws, and presidents have tried to stop things such as racism by creating laws or also creating laws in redlining, as we talked about. But as you saw today, racism is still a huge part of the United States that creates such a big problem for us. Now some questions we have come up with is, how can we eventually stop racism? Can it ever be stopped? There's so many questions that can come from racism. I don't know if we'll ever be able to solve it fully, but maybe after this podcast, you can come up with some things yourself or educate people in the United States that racism is still very well happening. And maybe one day it can be stopped. Who knows? Thanks for listening.